All right, a good chodesh, everybody. That's really awesome that uh, a week before Pesach, a week before Pesach, a week and a bit before Pesach, um, we're gathering here tonight. And I think it's very important to balance all of the technical and all of the hard work with some inner appreciation of the yomtiv, right? To have some neshama to the body. And I want to begin with the matzah. And it's really not just about the matzah, it's about the better we understand the matzah, the better the better we get ready for the moment of the mitzvah of eating matzah. Bechlau, when it comes to a person trying to get better connected to God, this is a theme that we have in Hasidus, the challenge of the connection isn't the connection. The challenge of that connection is that since that we have a godly soul and an animal soul, it's difficult to connect because by default, what does a person do when they go into shul? They put their animal to sleep and their neshama comes out. Which is very good and very, very bad. Because what happens there is that is that we never learn how to connect it, all of us to Hashem. That's a theme that we speak about a lot in Hasidus. Right? Think about it. You go to shul, your, your, the animal soul goes to sleep for temporarily and the neshama comes out and it's gavaldic and you're very connected if someone has that feeling but they're connecting their higher self and now the question is how do you connect the lower self to Hashem? Kiddush Club <laughs> and I would actually say that's a very good answer and the reason why in Yiddishkeit there's so much around food there is so much around food you finish learning a masechta. You finish learning something. You have to make a meal. Celebrate seichel with seichel. No, everything is connected to a meal. Something good happened. You make a meal. Something bad happened. You make a meal. It's all about food. Why? Because exactly because we're trying to connect all of us to Hashem, and uh, eating is something that's very uh, earthy. And the more we connect food to mitzvah the more we connect all of us to God. That's a, that's a very important introduction. Okay. Another very important idea, and that is that mitzvahs are not symbols. Like we have a certain idea, and we just want to symbolize it with... No, no, no. Mitzvah is actually connecting God to something physical. As we connect ourselves to God, it brings God into the physical. So if there's a mitzvah to eat food, especially matzah, there is there is something in the matzah that's godly that we can ingest, kind of awesome. There are two things that Hasidus emphasizes in connection to matzah. They are interrelated, but they're two different things. One can have one without the other. Ideally, you should have both. One is the fact that matzah cannot rise it, it has no air in it, air inflated ego. It's a physical food that represents something that has no ego. How great is that? Everyone is trying to get there. Matzah rep- has that in it, the Gashmias. Matzah may not have anything in it other than flour and water. You can't add or honey, you can't add something that makes it tasty. It won't make it chametz, but it won't be valid for the mitzvah. 
It's called matzah ashira. Wealthy matzah is not good for the mitzvah. It has to be poor's man bread, flour and water. It means it's lacking tam. Tam, taste, represents understanding. Because when you understand something, ah, it's geschmack, I got it, I understand it. What, what is that which has no tam? Not boring. What is greater than tam? Emuna. Think about children. When we begin educating our children, do we begin with explaining or do we begin with emuna? We begin with emuna. It has to begin that way. When a child is one years old or one day old and you start saying the Shema with the baby, you're not speaking to the rational person. There's no ration there at all. But that's the way it has to be, that the foundation is emuna. Emuna means, emuna means what? Faith. You know what emuna also means? Trust. Think about it. What's the most important part of a relationship? Trust. More than anything else. Trust. So it, the core is trust. Trust is emuna. Emuna is represented in the matzah by the fact that there's nothing other than emuna. There's no tam. It may not have any taste. It's just flour and water. Simple. Emuna. Which means that when we eat matzah, to understand what's happening, when we eat matzah, we are bringing in within us two powerful phenomena. And that is less ego and more faith. Amazing. You know that the Zohar says that the matzah is called the food of faith. We have this in our Chabad Haggadahs. And the matzah is called bread of healing. And then the actually it says that the first night is mainly faith. The second night is connected to healing. Faith is faith. And healing comes from having no ego. Like what's cancer? Cancer is a lot of me doubling me, tripling me, the cells begin to multiply. Right? If that is still the machla. So healing has to do with losing one's ego, which is what's very healing. Begashmias, emotionally, mentally, beruchnias, we heal by losing our ego, which is very difficult. When we eat matzah, we are mamish taking within us both of these powers, faith and less ego. No ego was not possible. Less ego. We're good? Okay. These are, this is a very good introduction. Now let me share with you a very good question and a very good answer. Yes? Just, you said bread of faith, but I always hear it called bread of affliction. That's, that's um, first of all, lechem oini is the term that's used, let's say, in the, in the revealed part of the Torah. The word lechem oini has two meanings. One is bread of affliction. It means when we were slaves, this is what we ate. This and onions or potatoes or whatever, cheap vegetable. Lechem oini, the word oini also means the bread upon which we say many words. If you notice during the Seder, you have to uncover the yeah. cover, you uncover, you have to speak on the bread before you eat it. You're talking to the bread and then you're eating the bread. You're putting the story into the bread and then you're eating the bread. Your mom is doing that. You're putting the story in the bread and then you're eating up the story. Together with faith, together with less ego. Okay, so here's a question. Once we get that. The mitzvah of the of the Haggadah is a mitzvah for, for men, for women, everyone. We are all in the same boat. We are obligated to tell the story. Telling the story doesn't necessarily mean you have to say the whole Haggadah. It's better to say the whole Haggadah. 
but there are certain parts of the Haggadah that it says in the Haggadah that if you didn't say this, you missed the whole thing. Who remembers what that is? Rabbi Gamliel Loimer, right? Whoever doesn't say the following three things did not fulfill the mitzvah of relating the story. Now, you're not, what are you, what are you saying? Pesach, Matzamar. Okay, very good. And then you explain. In other words, you, you, there's a lot of props on the table. You're saying a story. You want to concretize the story. So you want to link the story with what's on the table. That's the most important part. Like to bring it down to Gashmias, not just to tell a story. To tell a story with props. This Pesach we're eating because of that part of the story. When we say this matzah, we say this, not matzah. Many people point. We have a minute. We pick up the matzah. This matzah, who knows the end of the... Why are we eating this matzah? What does it say there? Who remembers? If you don't. Now let me tell you, we're saying something, I'll tell you in English, but before I tell you, we're saying that the reason why we're eating this matzah is because the dough that our grandparents brought out of Egypt was unable to rise because God revealed himself. This statement is, if you know what happened, at first glance, is so wrong that you have no idea. And they did it on purpose. Now, I know that part of what I'm telling you is not in the Haggadah. Part is, part of it we should learn in school. And I'm sure the people that, that compiled the Haggadah were expecting for us to know what I'm going to share right now. I hope what I'm sharing is not new. And if it's new, now you know it. It's good to know this. When was, you don't have to answer the question. I'm just... Framing it. When was the first time that the Jewish people made a Seder? In Egypt. Now you have to understand. That night. Now let me, this is written in the Chumash. In the, let me tell you something amazing. First of all, God came to Moshe Rabbeinu on the 15th day of Nisan, exactly one year before we left. Moshe was 80. Prior to that, Moshe Rabbeinu was just like you and me. He was much greater than you and me, but I'm saying he was not a prophet. Hashem never spoke to him. You know that God speaks to tzaddikim. God never spoke to him. But when, on, on Pesach, one year before we left, God came to him. God came to him on Mount Sinai. And it says that he was with the sheep of his father-in-law. Where was his father-in-law? Midian. Where's Midian? Saudi Arabia. Stam, parenthetically, from there it comes out that Sinai is in Saudi Arabia, which is probably where it is. Not where the Christians say it is, but where the Muslims say it is where Jews cannot even visit now. Crazy. But you have over there, you have the, you have, you have the chariots of, of an army under the water there. Oh, Mamash. Really? All in Saudi Arabia. Midian is for sure Saudi Arabia. That's, no one debates that. So Moshe Rabbeinu was shepherding the sheep of his father-in-law. If you work for your father-in-law, some people, maybe they don't get along, so they go like a, a thousand miles away. <laughs> That's not the pshat. The pshat is that he worked by day, he came home at night. It means he was in the vicinity. Anyway, wherever he was in Midian and he was on Mount Sinai, and God came to him. There's a lot of story behind the story, but I don't want. I want. I don't. I just want to move. God came to him. It took one year for us to leave Egypt. There was a big shift during that year. That was a sneh. The sneh was on Har Sinai. Uh-huh. That, and that when they say came to him the first time. Yeah. Okay. By the burning bush. And then it was a year until it was a year before Pesach night. Imamish. 
Good to know that. No, it's, the story began, I mean, the story began from when God created the world. But the story began of God coming to Moshe, it was on the 15th of Nisan, one year before we left. The Makot began two months later. During those two months, Moshe Rabbeinu, it says in the Chumash, he performed other wonders for the Jewish people. He proved to Moshe that God spoke to him. There were three miracles that he performed. There was warnings, there were threats. But the Makot began... Ten months before we left, it was one Makkah a month. There was a system. One week the Makkah, three weeks in between the Makkahs. It was a cycle, a monthly cycle. All connected to the Rosh Chodesh, all connected to the women. It was, it, Rosh Chodesh was the Makkah. Huh. When the work got harder, was it a month long? That so very good. So th- th- there's a big uh, historical discussion because when that began, no, the work got harder before the Makkahs. But it wasn't done so quick. I mean, it, that that during those two months. But even when the makot began, during the three weeks in between, in the beginning there was a lot of vengeance. They they don't know what's happening, so they let it out on us. The the Gemara says like this: that as of Tishrei, from then we were free, mamish free. So the we were freed from slavery Tishrei, but many makas still needed to happen. Party's not letting us leave. Comes Rosh Chodesh Nissan. No Maka no This is from God. But Moshe Rabbeinu told Paroi that on the, he told him that on the 15th of Nisan, at midnight, at midnight, all of the firstborn of Egypt will die. Paroi was a firstborn. God had a lot of credibility to him. This was a real threat, a threat to his life. If he'll let us go, it won't happen. Paroi was adamant, I'm not letting anyone go. Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the Jewish people. We were millions of people throughout Egypt. And he tells us, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, this is what you have to do. It's written in the Chumash. On the 10th of Nisan, everyone, every family has to take an animal and tie it to the, to the bedpost. On the 14th of Nisan, which that year was Wednesday, like this year, we have to shecht it. Mamash like this year. And now what's not written in the Chumash is that all of the men that did not have bris milois needed to make a bris milah on that day. That's not written in the Chumash, but we know that by tradition. And we took the blood of the Karban Pesach, and if there was blood of a bris milah, and that we needed to smear on both doorposts and on the lintel. Many people know that, but they don't know the rest of the verse. And then God told Moshe to tell the people, when it gets dark, everyone should pack, because we're going on a trip at midnight. The trip goes at midnight. But until midnight, we're having a seder. I read that it's written in the Chumash. Yeah. And what was the seder? It's a crazy thing. That seder was the first seder. Now, what did we do during that seder? We ate a carbon Pesach. We were commanded to eat matzah. It's written in the Chumash. That means that we made bread prior to that seder the way we make matzah today. I'm not, I don't mean the way Ashkenazim make it. I mean to say the way that... We mixed flour and water, and we took the precautions needed that the dough should not rise. And we had mother, and we related the story. Now, there wasn't a text, but every family had their own story. And it was a huge story. Imagine you're slaves for a couple of generations, and just a couple of months ago, after a few plagues, not only are you not a slave, you became the boss, and you have all the money that you need, you have all the freedom that you need, and you're saying the end of the story will be in a few hours. The end of the story will be, we knew, we're saying about what's going to happen. That exactly at midnight, Parai is going to kick us out of this land. 
Kapare told us to kick us out. Bishalach Pare. No, the whole pajamas. No, he went. Pare went running out desperate in his in his sleeping gear. <laughs> but Pare did not tell us leave tomorrow. Pare says you have to leave now. We knew that already. And you're saying that the Jewish people who were sitting at the seder were telling each other we're leaving at midnight. Yes. I didn't know the time. Because God told it to Moshe and he told it to the people. They knew how to tell time. However, they knew how to tell time. But you have to understand something. This is not like we know we know that Mashiach is about to come. This is different. Miracles are happening. There's a big shift. There's a big shift. We went from being slaves to being the boss. Imagine you have your luggage packed and legally you're not allowed to move you can't leave but we knew that they're going to change the law midnight we knew that how crazy is that but we made a seder and part of the seder was don't eat chametz eat matzah that was a commandment now there was no yomtev yet this is before the Torah was given that's why we were allowed to travel we were not obligated to eat matzah the next day there was no yomtev but the mitzvah of eating matzah was there for the first time when do we make a seder before midnight, if you remember, especially the first night, it's better to eat all the matzah before midnight. Okay, very good. Because when we were in Egypt, the Seder was before midnight. Now, there's something else. When we went on the journey, we were not told how long we're going to be out in the wilderness. Moshe Rabbeinu did not tell it to us because God did not tell it to him. There was a lot of faith needed. When a Jew goes on a trip... Right when you drive from Tel Aviv to Yerushalayim, you make 50 sandwiches because it's a whole uh, big trip, right? That's the way Jews are. So when we're going into the desert, don't think that the Yiddish Shamama there went stam without any provisions. How much food did you think they brought? The expression from paycheck to paycheck began there. People have money for one month. Even when you're wealthy in LA, normally you have money for next month without God's help or in big trouble. So we brought food for one month. Which, Taka, what happened? We, it, the food that we brought out lasted for one month. We left on the 15th. It lasted until the 15th. We ran out of food. We took so many animals. Why we did didn't want to eat our animals. That's, on the, that's something else. That's, that's already eating the keren. All of the teachers that my Brazilian cheder hired from Israel, they would never eat up their salaries. They would not touch that. Because that's, that's the money that they're saving up to buy an apartment in Israel. I don't know how they lived. So the month started a month the after? The month started on this, uh, one month after. But let me go back to the story. Yeah, we did. We, we were very stingy. I don't get the livestock. We had so much wealth that we're not touching. That's to produce livestock. You know many people that way. Okay. They're not going to sell their apartment because they have income. Animals is like income. It produces more animals and it gives you milk and it gives you uh, this. They're not going to eat it up. Okay. God forbid. I have 80,000 animals, exactly, and I want 90,000, not 79 minus one. Okay, so, because, so we, now, when we, when uh, I want to say like this, guys, when Mashiach is coming, get used to this, you guys will make matzah on Pesach. Why don't we make matzah on Pesach now? Because we're afraid that we're going to make it into chametz. If you mix flour, don't do what I'm saying. We're going to do this in the future. When you mix flour and water, as long as you don't let the dough sit, halachically, it never becomes chametz. If you're moving it and you're manipulating it and you're rolling it and then you're putting it into the oven, 18 minutes means that if you let it sit for 18 minutes, then it becomes chametz stick. Up until a few hundred years ago, everyone made matzah on Pesach. Just to know that. 
Why am I saying that? And why were they not concerned? Because they just didn't let it let it sit. When we were traveling, when we were traveling with the dough for 30 days, being that we were on the move, right? Halachically, it was not going to become chametz. We were moving the whole time. Says the pasuk that even when we didn't move, that's the verse that we quote. Since God revealed Himself at midnight, what what effect did that have in the world? It's amazing. When God revealed Himself, we don't know what that means. One of the many effects was is that all of the dough that was in the world at that time lost its ability to get an ego. That's the verse. The verse that we quote in the Seder. That the matzah zu, the matzah this, matzah that we're eating. Why are we eating it? Al shuma, Because the dough that our forefathers took out of Egypt, you asked me to translate it in English, was unable to become chametz. Not because we were moving the whole time. Because then when we went to sleep at night, it can become chametz. Which nothing would be wrong with that. We were not commanded to eat to not, eat. not chametz. It was the only a mitzvah for that Seder. Only for that year. The Torah wasn't given yet. But still, it's a fact that since God revealed himself at midnight, we already had all our provisions. We had all that food. When God reveals himself, whatever dough is in the world can never become chametz. That's the pshat of the Pasuk. The problem is, when are we eating the matzah? We're eating the matzah during the Seder. We're eating matzah prior to midnight. Why wouldn't we say, why are we eating this matzah? Because our forefathers in Egypt were commanded to eat matzah. Or God commanded the Jew and the Torah every year to commemorate what happened then by eating matzah. We don't say that. We speak about the matzah that, that came into the world after midnight. And not only after midnight, the matzah that we ate a month later, that was still, that dough never rose. Because God revealed himself at midnight. It doesn't fit. We're eating this matzah because of something else. That's what we're saying. Why, why not say the, the, the thing itself? We're eating the Pesach because God told us to take our carbon Pesach. We're eating the mother because it was bitter in Egypt. We're eating the matzah because in Egypt we ate the matzah because the mitzvah is to eat matzah and the seder. We're not saying that. We're eating this matzah because the dough that our forefathers took out of Egypt was unable to become chametz because God revealed himself. That's not why we're eating matzah. That's not why l'chayra. We're not eating matzah because of that. They ate that up until the 15th of Iyar. That dough that we're speaking about lasted for a month. has nothing to do with the Seder. Okay, that's a classic question. Hasidus has a very important answer. Beautiful, very inspiring answer. Mamish. Let's go back to the matzah. We spoke before that matzah represents the ability of having less ego. So you can either go to therapy and, and spend fortunes to lose some of your ego or eat matzah. When you eat matzah, you're, you're becoming less ego, becoming a matzah. When you're eating matzah, you're strengthening your faith. However, however, there's two ways of getting there. Of course, eating matzah is the mitzvah. One is to work, to work, to work, to become aware, oh my God, I'm so rational, rational. let me lose my reason, let me have more trust in God. Not everything I have to understand. It's nice also to understand, but my connection cannot be based on understanding. If I get it, I do it. If I don't get it, I don't do it. If I like it, I don't. No, no, I have faith. Trust. Some people have to schwitz to get there. Some people have that naturally. They're lucky people. Some people have issues with ego. Most people do. Losing the ego is the biggest challenge in life. At work, 
there was the time when, that we have to work to get that. When we were in Egypt, the matzah that we ate before midnight was matzah that we made. We needed to make the effort that it should not turn into chametz. Think about it. What does it mean? We have to make the effort. It means we have to work, self-work. Before midnight. In Egypt, the matzah that we ate before midnight was a result of a lot of inner hard work that we needed to do. The matzah that we ate after midnight, it says in the Pasuk, even if we would have left it, it would never become with an ego. Never would get an ego. It was a gift of God. God gave us a gift. God revealed himself in a way that we were so inspired by God that we didn't feel like it's where we could have an ego. Look at God. In the presence of God, how can you have an ego? We're saying in the Haggadah that after God gave us the Torah, what is supposed to happen on the night of the Seder is that God reveals himself to me now, this year, on such a high level that it becomes easy for me. It's a gift for me to lose my ego and for me to have more trust in God. Why am I eating this matzah? This matzah that we eat now is not the matzah from prior to midnight. This is the matzah post-midnight. This is not a matzah that I have to schwitz for. This is a matzah that's gifted to me. If people were to be in tune with these two character traits, with these two parts of our soul, which is how much trust do I have in God? When things are great, I don't know if I have trust in God. Of course I trust in God because things are gate. I see God. What happens if things don't have tam? That part of my life has no taste. Do I still have, am I still connected? Many people struggle there. On the night of the Seder, this is the idea. If you are open to it, God will take away your struggle. There's a gift that happens. Matzah is a gift. People that struggle with ego, we're not talking about good self-esteem, which is a mitzvah. We're speaking about unhealthy arrogance, ego. The ego that gets in the way of everything. Many people have a very hard time walking away from their <coughs> ego. And with work, we can get there. Tishrei is the month to do that hard work. Nisan, the month, beginning with, with today, Mamish, Rosh Chodesh, is the pinnacle is on, on the Seder, is that God gives you the, the a gift in which... He takes away your ego. Pesach is the biggest gift that God gave the Jewish people, more than Shabbos. It's once a year, but it lasts for the whole year. And I think the reason why many people might not yet have had that experience is because they're not aware of that this is what needs to happen. When you're open to something to happen, it happens. Mamish. You don't even know that it's out there, therefore you're not open towards it. It's much harder for you to experience it consciously. This is not minimizing the importance of actually eating the matzah. Now, the hard work, the hard, there is always work. Nothing is given. For, the hard work is the work of preparing the house for, this, for, for Pesach. That's the hard work. That's work. No, nothing is given for free. But the beauty here is, is that the hard work if we are wise, could only be physically hard work. Now, if on top of the hard physical work, there's tensions in the home, and then there's triggers, and someone is getting you upset, then there's a lot of inner work as well, which might happen when people are younger. 
But getting ready for Pesach demands a certain amount of effort. That's the effort. That Hashem is telling us, you make a little bit of effort. If it's only physical, then we can all tolerate that. Make some physical effort to do what I want, and I'm going to give you a gift. And it's a double gift. It's a double gift. It's a gift of, of emuna, and it's a gift of taking away ego, which is mamash rufua. Rufua, healing, and e- the antidote to healing, illness is ego. On all levels, even begashmias. And healing means losing the ego, losing yourself. No self. Rufua. And it's gifted to us. And you will all experience it this year. Now that you heard these words, you're going to see it. And especially if you're focusing that this is the area in my life where my ego is getting in my way. I have two questions. Yeah. One, do you consider wanting to be in control a egotistical part of the ego that you're talking about? No. And two... I want to dive into that, okay? okay? And the second question is, if you say that Hashem takes away our ego, are you talking about He takes away... Our actual ego, he gives, he puts us in the position of the frame of mind to be able to relinquish our desire to hold on to the ego. And if he takes it away, does he give it back to us after Pesach, after the Sadar? He does. How do we maintain it? That's a hard, that's a challenge. But I think when a person has a certain taste of what could be, they have a, a much easier time getting there, much easier time to know that this is possible. And let me, and let me go, let me go back to the first year. Imagine the miracle that happened. And these things will happen when Mashiach will come. In other words, when a person is part of a miracle that is undeniable, undeniably a, a, a biblical miracle. It means when you see the Koyach of God, you lose your ego in the healthiest way. You see that there's something here so much bigger than, than, than me. The me becomes little in a healthy way. Myself included, like do we, we're sitting there fine, so we're there for the 10-15 minutes, we're talking about the Haggadah, we're enjoying what the little kids are saying, but after that, like, does that stay? Like, it stays, it, let me say like this, it's a Ruchni Yazdika thing that's connected to the physical food that we began with that, and I would say that especially during the eight days of Pesach, even though halachically you don't have to eat matzah, but it's very much connected to the eating of matzah throughout the whole Pesach, and we incorporate this in ourselves. Mm-hmm. There's a connection between this and the food, mamish. When the goyim who stole everything from us, when they speak about their wafers, that this is the blood of who knows who, they took these ideas from us. This wafer, this matzah is emuna and bitl. And refu, mamish. I'll tell you more than that. We know that the Rebbe, the Rebbe had a doctor called Dr. Zelikson. Dr. Zelikson was a tzaddik, or a tzaddik of Tanya. He was a relative of the Rebbe. He actually was a real doctor. For many years, he didn't wear a beard. In his later years, he wore a beard. He, he was a tzaddik, a real tzaddik. In the earlier years, whoever had an illness, the Rebbe would send that person to go to Dr. Zelikson. Now, Dr. Zelikson had a shot. What did he put in that shot? No one knew. Everyone had a shot. My father remembers. And one person once went to Dr. Zelikson straight. I'll go to the doctor. Dr. Zelikson says, you have to go to the Rebbe. He says, the power of my healing comes from him. He went to the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, go to Dr. Zelikson. The Rebbe said, I gave you a shot and you got all better. Mm-hmm. One of the things the Rebbe gave Dr. Zelikson was a little bit of his matzah. And the Rebbe told it to mix it in everything he gives to patients. Mm-hmm. 
So when he injected people, do you remember the story in Shabbos? There's a story about Matzah. No, so I'm not going to say the whole story, but basically there's a, a baby who was really sick, and she looked into like a rebbe, a rebbe, like a letter from the rebbe, and the rebbe said that if you eat a piece of matzah, you will have a refuah. And like it was like almost like she felt like it was written to her because it was regarding a baby or something. And, and it worked. And it worked. I'll tell you something. This this is for us. Baby, like, but I'm saying that you're talking about yeah. But this is uh, the, um, every matzah is a mitzvah. Okay. Of course, a matzah tzaddik. But I'm saying it's good when when I think when we know when we know this is the Alter Rebbe writes this. But I remind of the Alter Rebbe that the matzah we eat before midnight is the matzah after midnight, and you're mamish eating and muna and you're eating. Many people don't struggle with faith. Lucky. Some people struggle with faith, at least when things are very hard for them. There is, there is a time to work on it. Matzah is a gift. Eat the matzah. Okay. <laughs> Can you take matzah from the Seder and keep it for a year round? Of course. And then eat it whenever you're Of course. Them? Well, will it work? I don't know. I know that it works on, on, on the night of the Seder. Mm. It works, it works. People are, just don't know it. They don't know it, they're close from it. What, I mean, what are you talking about? I'm gonna, I struggle with Emunah. And Bechal, the night of the Seder, things I, I don't care, and Bechal about Emunah, I just wanna go to sleep. <laughs> like you're not there. No, no, bring up bring up the Emunah struggle and eat the matzah. And it's a God is giving us a gift, let's take the gift. It's like God gives us Shabbos. Can you have Shabbos and not have Menucha? Of course. But if you understand now, Shabbos is about having Menucha and I'm going to have Menucha on Shabbos, whether you like it or not. You go like that, you're going to have Menucha. No one around you will have Menucha. You're going to have Menucha. But the question is, does the matzah work because you have the mindset, or do you get the mindset because you eat the matzah? I think, I think you have to be open to these things that are miraculous. If you're not open to it, it doesn't happen. You know these people that always come to Shalom, the guys, wow, Hashgacha Pratis, and every day they have a miracle, and it's very irritating. But they have a tack of miracles. You know what? Because they are they live in a world where God is running the world, and I'm gonna see today a miracle. And I really believe that these people have more miracles done to them. You have to be open to it. It's like what comes first? People are happy, so good things happen, or good things happen because people are happy. People are happy comes first. Yeah, and, and then good things come. For sure. Yeah. And this is a mitzvah from Hashem. It's like it's like Shabbos Menucha, Mezuzah protection. Matzah is emuna and matzah is less ego in a healthy way. Ganeden. Most of all of our struggles is coming from the ego. You get rid of the ego, whatever is latched onto the person drops to the side, which is amazing. But how do you get rid of the ego? Here you go, painless, eat matzah. Not that it's that painless, but it's relative to other things, it's quite painless. So do we get a double dose because we have two sedara? So according to Kabbalah, that's why we, we say this, it's written in our Haggadah, that in Golos, in, in the Holy Land, it's all packaged in one. And Chutz La'aretz, we are slower. It takes us more time to take in that which is happening. We're slower. Right? Oranit knows that, the Americans. Tamim. America, that's what they call us. The Americans that were clogged, were clogged up. They know how to do it quick. We need more time. So, so we, we, break, we break it down. Tonight is this, tomorrow night that, and good for Americans, it's perfect. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
We're going to say three nights. Pois é. We'll say no. <laughs> it starts on carnival. What's happening? What's going on? It's a different culture. But uh, the Alter Rebbe said that when Mashiach is coming, we're going to bring the two days of Yom Tiv to Israel. Really? They're already beginning it. They're dancing Hakafot Shniot. It's a compromise. They're doing. They're doing. They're doing it with music. Could be also, could be we're going to have a Seder with music. doesn't mean halachically there'll be two days yantiv, but we're going to, there's something about two days. I know people complain about it, but there's something good about it. When there's only one day, it comes and goes before you blink. You All the work for what? Imagine. And at most times, the first Seder, people are upset and angry and this and that. And then, <laughs> the second night, you always have a make, making up. No? There we go. It helps. Unless you get upset and angry there, because the kids are too noisy, and because the chicken, not you, Adam said. That's right. All right, we should have good, easy preparations. We should try to make it less stressful. Amongst the guys without names, someone was telling me that when he grew up, his mother, Abalas Chuva, she would get very anxious by Pesach, very anxious, like crazy. There was always a lot of loud voices in the home, and when he got married, by 2 p.m. out of Pesach, everything was ready. Wow. And, and he says, okay, what, what are we doing? let's go to the beach. He says, he called up his wife and says, Ma, what did you do to my childhood? Why did you drive me crazy out of Pesach? That's what he shared. And that's the end of the story. You know, it's, it's shayach to make it the less stressful. Okay. Mm-hmm. I start with the end in mind. Okay. I start with the end. You start with the end. You start with the end. Yeah. Because then the rest of the vacuum clean. I mean, you know, my kitchen is the most important part. I don't just spray cleaning. This is where spray cleaning came from. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. Could be. All right. Thank you very much.